This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse 95. Nice strike! It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omar Zuri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international and local. Hope you're blessed wherever you tune in around the world, whether it's 95FM, Pulse95Radio.com, our app, Sharjah Broadcasting Authority on the Instagram Live as well. Shout out to everyone who is tuning in. Happy Saturday, everyone. Wow. I tell you, I got to catch my breath after last night. I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, the Champions League yesterday was unreal unreal yesterday if, if you were sleeping under a rock or somewhere around the world which you weren't uh, aware Barcelona lost 8-2 to Bayern Munich in the Champions League and Bayern Munich are through to the semi-finals so we're talking about that we're also talking about the new age of coaches now when it comes down to coaches normally we think of senior or mature ages we've got a coach who's at 33 years old and he's taking the world by storm through his data and computer approach so Jules uh, Julian Nagelsmann the RB Leipzig coach is under the spotlight today we're talking about his career and actually who how he's facing Thomas Tuchel next and why that is very very relevant in how his career started we're talking about that unfortunately the MLS is making probably the wrong the wrong kind of news at the moment where MLS we've been waiting for that to come back it's come back however the latest chapter in racism and sport has caused a lot of media interaction as the fans boo um, in a game between Dallas and Nashville very very recently when, when the players were taking a knee we're also talking uh, about the UFC legend who retires Ozell speaks out Arteta's decision to handle that and all your questions and answers on the only place to be at three the halftime show on Pulse 95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omar Dury. I am your host, coming everything sport, international, local. Hope you are blessed and having a great Saturday wherever you're tuned in around the world. i got all these great faces on the Instagram live. Thank you so much, as always, for your support and your love. I know you're tuned in right now to hear about Messi. I know you're here to hear about um, Barcelona and Bayern Munich, but I'm going to keep you waiting for one more segment because one of the things I was actually really, really intrigued about, especially coming into this week, was the rise of the new coach. Now, a lot of the times, credibility comes through experience and through experience comes through management skills. And the way that I see it normally is I I look at these things and I actually say, you know, sometimes rather than age, it comes experience. And and you could have experience from the age of 15 and, and be, you know, quite a mature and experienced coach. This coach right here... RB Leipzig's coach, okay? Julian Nagelsmann. If you don't know the name, I'm going to try and help you get over this guy's accomplishments at the age of 33 years old. Now, when I watched this coach initially come onto the scene, 
I was wondering because he's younger than me <laughs> and I was wondering how is he coaching professionally at the highest level in the Bundesliga with this team and I, I dug into his files did a bit of research did a bit of scouting and actually uh, I found out that you know he's actually he comes from a, a quite a sports science background in terms of data in terms of nutrition in terms of coaching but Ruud Hullet, before the game between RB Leipzig and um, Atletico Madrid, he kind of made this comment that kind of got me a little bit uneasy. He was like, oh, um, you know, the computer data coaches. And I just thought, mm, I don't know, you know, times are changing. I'm not saying everyone should be like that, but I am saying that that was interesting when I heard that comment. Almost like thinking Atletico are going to kind of cruise through. Now, Nagelsmann remained calm after his victory against Atletico Madrid, especially facing an established tactician in Diego Simeone as Leipzig eliminated Atletico Madrid. With Atletico Madrid, you kind of know tactically they're very, very astute, very, very well organized and actually quite pragmatic in their approach. Now, at 33 years old, just to put it in perspective, he's one month younger than Messi, who's still playing, and he's two years younger than Cristiano who's still playing at the top of their games or maybe not but they're still active in the industry as athletes and he's coaching at, at a young age now I wonder how he would handle personalities like that it would be safe as a coach to have more of a pragmatic approach as I said and not be as brave when you're facing a giant like Atletico Madrid playing in such style and intelligence is what makes this journey in the Champions League so impressive so what's what's up next for him Thomas Tuchel, uh, the Paris Saint-Germain manager, will be facing RB Leipzig in the semi-finals. Now, why is this relevant to Nagelsmann's career? You ask, I'll tell you why. So what some of you may not know is Nagelsmann was quite an injury-prone player, especially towards the latter part of his career. Now, I say latter part of his career, he's still in his 20s, which is insane. And at that point, in 2007, 2008, Nagelsmann was actually playing for Augsburg. And guess who was the manager back then? Thomas Tuchel. The man he will face in the Champions League semi-final on Tuesday is the person who used to coach him. Now, Tuchel told his player at the time, Nagelsmann, you know, you get so many injuries, you should go into scouting. Now, after he went, he thought that, you know, Nagelsmann can, can identify talent and he can spot something a mile away. So Tuchel recommended for him to get into that instead of kind of facing those injuries that he was consistently facing. So, Nagelsmann began exploring the option of pursuing his football career as a coach in doing his badges and his licenses, which, by the way, take quite a bit of time and a lot of credit goes out to him there because it's not something you can get in a couple of weeks. It takes a couple of years, especially when you get to B&A. Now, July... Um, in 2013, sorry, 2014, he started coaching Hoffenheim under-19s. Taking over the senior team in 2016, all of a sudden he's starting to build up his experience and work in the Bundesliga. July 1st, he took over Leipzig. Now saying that, I, I'm kind of like thinking, there's so much I've seen of Leipzig and of this coach over the last, let's say, couple of years, but he's been on the scene for a while. But not many people know Tuchel was actually coaching him back then. 10th of March, 2020, he was the youngest coach in history to win a Champions League knockout tie against Tottenham. Sorry, Ace, if you're listening. But Tottenham lost 4-0 to Leipzig. That was not a fluke at all, and that kind of put him on the map. Now, incredible, what's next for him? He faces his former coach on Tuesday as RB Leipzig 
face PSG and Thomas Tuchel on Tuesday in the Champions League semi-final. More than just a data coach, more than just a computer coach, even the manner in which he was speaking was very, very calm, not getting too excited. Could be, could be absolutely going crazy inside, but actually on the outside, he was very, very well detailed and very skilled. And I love that because as coaches, sometimes your emotions get the best out of you, especially after a game. Adrenaline is pumping, your energies are up. You've just experienced something which the whole world has watched and against Diego Simeone. So my hats off goes to you, Julian Nagelsmann, for a great great result and hopefully you continue to uh, to surprise a lot of people and hey you never know one day he might be in the Premier League so that's Julian Nagelsmann but coming up next that is right Barcelona against FC Bayern uh, Munich in what was an incredible game it felt like a FIFA game <laughs> it was crazy 8-2 if you don't know the result we're discussing that right next on the only place to be at 3 the halftime show on Pulse 95 this is the halftime show with Omar Adouri This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful! Sure is that time. It's the halftime show with Omar Dury. Wow. Um, I'm still catching my breath from last night. For those that don't know, there was a huge game with arguably one of the best, if not the best footballer in the world, uh, facing a very well-drilled engine in Bayern Munich. So it was Barcelona versus Bayern Munich yesterday. The winner gets into the semi-final. A lot of talk was how Barcelona would approach this game, how Bayern Munich would perform and who would uh, proceed into the semi-finals. I'll tell you now, you know, it's um, it's incredible to watch even sometimes the, the, the best players on the planet when they're helpless and resigned to be able to, to put together a result, especially in inspiring their team. You know, I've got to give a shout out to everyone who's tuning on the Instagram live because they're keeping me keeping me on my toes here. Especially, you got Hassan Rawan uh, Saad, you've got Maria uh, Abu Abdullah, you've got who else do we have? We've got Maryum. Um, let's see, who am I forgetting? Oh, of course, Mario Ger, of course, man. Our very own Mario from Pulse 95. Sheikh is here, Citrus, Hani, Laka, and everyone else. And of course, Morad, everyone else is junior on Instagram. You are actually now talking about the what happened yesterday. You know, I got a question from Ali saying, what would you have done differently with the Barcelona versus the Bayern Munich game? What I'll do is I'll tell you, I'll throw you some facts that were outstanding yesterday, not just that there were eight goals conceded. We spoke about the art of losing and shout out to, to Hats for sending me a message yesterday after the game reverting to the show. On Wednesday, I asked you how much we learn from losing heavily versus winning frequently against smaller sides. Here are some facts for you. No team has scored more than five goals against Barcelona in a single Champions League game ever. So that was one thing. So to be able to, to get that was unreal and there were more goals later as you know the biggest aggregate win equaling Real Madrid versus Apoel as well when you think of 8-2 over one leg especially which makes it even more impressive Lewandowski took um, more shots than the entire Barcelona team in the first half alone and he joins the, um, the Champions League goal scoring royalty scoring in eight consecutive Champions
Champions League appearances with Cristiano Ronaldo and Van Nistelrooy. Barca also named their oldest lineup in history. 29 years old and 329 days. A lot of decisions actually made prior to that, um, which was, uh, you know, a little bit surprising. Was it the coach? Was it the captain? Was it Messi? Was it the board? You know, we don't really ever know with Barcelona. It's also the first semi-final since 2004, 2005, not to have Messi or Ronaldo coming up in the Champions League. And guess what? We did speak about the Ballon d'Or being off this year. Would this have been even more? Just in case we needed a reminder that anyone out of those two would have won it this year. Surely, if the Ballon d'Or was on, that would have been something that, you know, we would have seen Lewandowski or Benzema or Ramos or any of these people actually winning the Ballon d'Or apart from those two. Barca spent more than 350 million on three players. A stat that Karim actually, uh, our very own Karim from Pulse95 sent me today, saying two of whom started on the bench with the other scoring twice in Coutinho. Now, when we look at it and in terms of challenges, in terms of all these perspectives that we could always say it's very easy in hindsight, there was clearly a few things from the lineup with Vidal playing in that number 10 role behind Suarez and Messi and no Griezmann with no youth and Ansu Fati playing off the bench we looked at the defences in the past we saw the difference Mancano made at RB Leipzig the other night how can if I'm saying this and you guys are saying this and everyone you know who is tuned in on the Instagram live is saying Barca's defence is weak and Barca and Bayern Munich's defence is weak how was it not exploited yesterday especially in between the lines especially trying to work on we know that you know the Bayern Munich team have incredible speed especially on the counter being able to absorb pressure through in the middle by outnumbering the midfielders and playing it into the flanks where you know they can expose a one-on-one or a two-on-one situation with an overlap those were all things that you know we could see Davis um, you know Alfonso Alfonso Davis was was looked at before the game as someone who could be a game changer you could see he was still in gear three playing against Barcelona Alaba another one even though he scored an own goal and the first goal as well you could see that you know there was there was a lot of things that Bayern Munich were almost holding back and eventually bringing on Coutinho and having you know those results there were two goals and an assist it was it was unbelievable it was almost like watching a FIFA game where they had no mercy and there's a lot of decisions for Barcelona. You know, a couple of months ago, I did say, is this the end of an era? Barcelona was still competing for the league and was still in the Champions League. And some people, you know, laughed at that. And we spoke about the relation to AC Milan, the great side of AC Milan, and how things like that evolved from a period. Leadership. Who, who is making decisions at Barcelona? Where are these decisions coming from? All these things were coming into fruition yesterday in the way tactically Barcelona was set up. Um, Ali sends, sends a message and saying what would you have done differently if you if you wanted Barcelona to win clearly highlighting the the dangers of Bayern Munich was obvious you had your Lewandowski's you had your Muller's obviously Gnabry and and the midfield Thiago Alcantara had so much time yesterday to orchestrate everything and one of those players that almost gets on with his work keeps it very simple keeps the short pass on and the no look pass for him and Goretzka as well to set up you know Gnabry's goal was phenomenal it, the, all these things you know Florin makes a good point as, as well he says it was teamwork versus individuals all these things really highlighted you know the cracks that we've been seeing in the Barcelona team for a while 
while. You spend all that money on Griezmann and you put him on the bench and you bring him on with, what, 15, 20 minutes to go. You've got Coutinho on loan on the other side who damages and destroys your defense knowing how to play against you. Invest that money in centre-backs, in, you know, a, a defensive midfielder that someone's going to protect your back. Unfortunately, Busquets' time is up. We've seen that for a while. Ricky Pooj is coming up. Yeah, but he needs someone with experience, with the know-how. I just saw Matuidi transfer to Inter Miami or whatever it's called in the US to, to, to play out there. When you look at these players, Kante... You know, is not being utilized to the fullest at Chelsea. Ndidi at Ever- uh, at Leicester, sorry. You've got all these people. Adrisa Gay at PSG. These are the players that are going to come in and protect your defense. Then you need to go and buy at least two defenders that can defend and don't want to get involved in the attack and don't want to overlap and, and waste energy. It's also coming down to zonal, uh, positional play and pattern play. You don't have to get involved in every single pattern play. If the ball goes from the left back to the right winger I don't want to see the left back go past the halfway line I want to see him tuck into the centre position to be able to make that a three so if the right back does go down the wing he's able to get involved without losing shape if you lose the ball these are all basics we are talking about when it comes down to even if the coach and again it's very easy to blame the coach the same thing will happen with the next one if it's not someone who can actually get a grip on the players and tell them what to do when they want to do it if Messi doesn't want to defend that's fine playing him in a role where he's not getting involved defensively and as soon as that ball is won back you send it to wherever direction Messi's at and allow him to create something but all this messiness excuse the pun all this messiness and and just lack of organization and structure has caused so much problems for Barcelona I'm not even a Barcelona fan and it makes me frustrated when I see the coaches that are there being hired to just sit in that seat and stand up when the camera concedes a goal it goes over to them so I've had my, my two-piece there. You know, um, I hope <laughs> I hope you enjoy that. Text us in on 4215. do. What did you make of the game last night? And what would you have done differently? Thanks for the question, Ali. And I'll see you right after this. Peace. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3 p.m. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri. Shout out to everyone who's tuned in. Thank you very much for keeping me company on this fine Saturday. We spoke about Barca. We spoke about Bayern. We spoke about the new age of coaches in Julian Nagelsmann, which was a very, very interesting segment. If you haven't, um, if you missed that and want to catch up on our podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Angami, head over to the website, type in the Halftime Show with Omar Duri, and you can catch all of our shows, commercial and music-free. Um, very, very good uh, guests on there as well. Really, really good people that have come on the show. I've been very, very lucky with that. One of the things I'm going to be talking about now is now the US you know has you know always done things a certain way the MLS is back and people have been so excited about having the MLS come back and uh, you know and I'm very very happy that it's come back as well one of the things and my wife can tell me this even more because she's from there one of the things that I kind of take note normally is how organizations you know uh, 
you know, structure things when it comes down to, to sports. And if there is a space for politics in there, I was I was so happy to hear MLS is back and I was so disappointed following Dallas versus Nashville's game um, in the MLS. Now, on the plus side, fans were allowed back in. So you had 3,000 fans, which was big because, you know, in Europe, we don't have that. Fans were allowed back in and obviously in the beginning, you know, there was a lot of talk about getting down on one knee and Black Lives Matter and, you know, standing for what everyone else has been doing around the world. Unfortunately, there was booing and there was fans booing people, the the athletes going down on one knee. It just, it baffles me, you know, if you don't like something, you, you, you know, you don't have to express it vocally, especially when it's a good cause, especially if it's for the right thing to do. I watched that. And I saw, you know, um, you know, the reaction on ESPN, you know, it was unreal. Dallas faced Nashville, okay, um, at the, um, in Texas on Wednesday. Reggie Cannon had quite a few things to say about it as well, which I found really good because some players, again, don't have to speak out. He said he was disgusted by the boos at the Toyota Stadium, um, especially as, you know, players and officials kneel down to call attention to racial injustice. Uh, one of his teammates again Ryan Hollingshead turned to him afterwards and said he was sorry I don't even know why people would go to that extent when it comes down to you know trying to bring politics in now I am aware that the US have you know different opinions and different you know ideas on when it comes down to how politics should be you know withheld or stood forward but I've always said there's no space in football for that we spoke about Julian Nagelsmann earlier you know the way he's dealt with certain things especially when it comes down to being a, such a young coach at 33 and his rise we spoke about Bayern and, and, and Barca those are the things we want to hear about you know we don't really want to be hearing about the fans booed you know um, you know booed the players and 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 the Americans should be very very happy the MLS is back then they always have their national anthem and you know the MLS anthem and the rest of it having players kneel down and having fans go out of the way to boo them why not ban those fans people are dying to watch sport all around the world right now we're only being able to watch it on the screens the sport misses fans the fans miss sport not hooliganism not people are going to tarnish the game and ruin the game and that's exactly why you know there is no place for that there is no space for people to be able to come to the game and just boo players the game ended up 1-0 no one really cared about the game in the end it wasn't about that it was more about the players getting on in their professionalism and trying to work something out this is something that for for me I kind of always said and even growing up in the UK I'm not going to tell you we didn't have it there we had racism around we had people that you know got abused we had people that abused us but when you're an athlete or when you're a professional you've got to stick to your job you've got to stick to what you do it doesn't make it right though my thing is rather than people speaking out on booing people kneeling don't speak at all though athletes like for example you know Reggie Cannon who came out and spoke about it that's what should be happening more VAR and technology is everywhere now get those cameras and the screens on those people who are booing and ban them for life that that's what should we should be doing you know to be able to you know uh, 
eradicate all the nonsense that's happening, especially with people losing their lives, people losing, you know, so much every single day. And you got people doing that. Uh, it, it baffles me. I, I've got no nothing more to say on that, especially with, you know, fans being allowed back in the stadium. You know, that should be something that's, that's so good in sport. And those fans are booing, you know, people kneeling down. Anyway. Okay, I said my two pieces. I've spoken about Bayern, I've spoken about Barca, I've spoken about Messi and Nagelsmann. Your questions and answers coming up, as well as UFC kicking off on the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show on Pulse95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Paduri on Pulse95. Oh, he loves the this is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Wonderful. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Salam and welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. Thank you for keeping me company on the Instagram live and all your messages. Everyone's going crazy about where Messi's going to go. See, this is what this is what happens when you're one of the best footballers in the world. You do a show full of great content and everyone's still talking about Messi. Um, you know, it's... Uh, the question that I think everyone was asking is, you know, where's Messi going? So 4215, is Messi going anywhere firstly? Is he leaving Barcelona? And if so, where will he realistically go? That's the question to you guys. Um, you know, a lot of things happening just on the final segment as we're, you know, tackling this. UFC legend Daniel Cormier retires after this fight against Stipe Miocic in the trilogy in UFC 252. It's very interesting when you see heavyweights, especially, you know, coming down to the, the latter part of their, their careers. What motivates them and what drives them forward? I think everyone's really looking forward to that. And, you know, I I, I like Daniel Cormier as a commentator, as a person, and also as an athlete. He, he uh, Sometimes his nice approach doesn't give him the credit that he deserves. If he was someone a bit, a bit more controversial, maybe that would get him, you know, more plaudits. But he um, he definitely is someone that I, I, I hope finishes on a high in his career and, and establishes his legacy when it comes down to UFC 252. Also, Sugar Shane, uh, Sugar Shane O'Malley as well um, is someone who's getting a lot of credit mainly for his, you know, he's quite colorful as a character. He's quite, you know, he's quite out there. He's knocked out a lot of people. So that's something that I... Um, uh, you know, I I, uh, I can see and people talking about him and Conor McGregor and Cody Garbrandt. It's going to be interesting. Styles make fights, I think, and definitely uh, uh, O'Malley's got that, especially from coming from where he's come from the Contender Series. Tarek is saying, as much as I love DC, I don't see him. I don't see him in the third fight. Fahad's a huge fan. Shout out to Fahad as well, um, who's a big UFC fan. Yeah, UFC fans. Who you know, there's a, there's been a lot of talk of certain divisions. Who do you want to see fight next? Obviously, after two five two, we've had a couple of dates and a couple of fights mentioned. Habib is mentioned. Gaethje's mentioned. Um, you know who? And has Conor McGregor kind of faded out? And if so, why? Why is he faded out all of a sudden? Very very strange that at one point he was the goal golden ticket and now no one really wants to fight him uh, Dustin Poirier has been mentioned in the, in the idea I don't know I don't know and one of the things now when we were talking about where where will athletes go under the current pandemic it's hit a lot of people not just personally but economically that's also affected contracts we've seen the Gareth Bale situation at Real Madrid which is you know he's being paid nice and handsomely over there why would he want to move Ozel came out and did something on The Athletic a very very good interview with David Onstein's um, podcast and, and, and show and said I love Arsenal I don't want to move I don't want to leave 
you know that's that's another one that's 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 interesting all these people now are in situations that are very very different to what we've experienced ever before because they've never been in the situation um that's now put a lot of us fans saying oh well you know they should do this or they should do that messi shouldn't retire he should go here Again, you know, when it comes down to sports in any industry, um, you know, it can be very fickle in sports. And uh, loyalty, you're only good as your last game. You could be a, a legend or someone that's done incredible things, you know, in your career. And then all of a sudden you end on a bad note and people remember you by that bad note. It's just the way society is. We've got Fahad saying he wants to see Costa versus Stylebender and Tarek agrees, you know, um, if Jones can come back and fight Stylebender and settle their grudge. Yeah, John Jones has also kind of held his hand up and saying, I don't, you know, I'm not interested at the moment. Put me someone that's worth it. And everyone now is kind of setting out for that contract or that big money deal. So there's so many factors here that are, are coming up. And guys, we are reaching full time on the Halftime Show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as me. It's been a great show today. Thank you very much much for everyone who's helped put the show together sending you all the love and energy guys i'll be back as always monday wednesday saturday three to four on the only place to be at three the halftime show on pulse 95 this is pulse 95 tune in live every monday wednesday and saturday from 3 p.m